welcome to the Lost at Home podcast. Here are your hosts, Scott Bear and Jeremiah Johnson. Welcome to the show. My name is Scott. And I'm Jeremiah. And boy, are you in for a treat this week. That's right, because it is a prime number. I think that's me stepping on a cat. I was trying to make that like air horn noise. Is that like that? Yeah, like that. Yeah. I still can't do it. I, I should also try to do it while you're doing it because people are turning down their podcast right now. <laughs> it's like the most obnoxious sound, whether it's done by a human or by the actual air horn. Exactly. Anyway, so the, the, the reason this is section exciting episode is because it is prime number. Is that correct? Uh, kind of. No, I mean, it's not. No. I mean, uh, longtime listeners already know. Are, are we ever going to get past the intro? Yeah. Okay. Now. Okay. Just, okay. We, okay. We, just now. Just, just now did, we're going to yeah, get past we just it. Did, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, longtime listeners probably already know that we interviewed Dan Harmon a little while back, and uh, he talked a lot about Rick and Morty and community and the writing process. He was a gem. We loved having him on. And uh, this is kind of a follow-up, even though it's, you know, many, many months later. Yeah. We have Ryan Ridley on the show today, who is writer, producer, and voice actor on Rick and Morty, uh, as well as uh, previous seasons of Community and the upcoming show on Fox this fall, Ghosted, with Adam Scott and Craig Robinson. Yeah, which sounds awesome. Yeah, it's basically, uh, it's like a comedy X-Files. And I actually learned yesterday... That Rob Schraub is also attached to it Ooh, as either writer cool. or director. Very, very so cool. So this has a lot of uh, Dan Harmon, Community, Rick and Morty uh, pedigree behind it. So, so it sounds like if you if you like that universe of uh, and, and what they've done in the past, you will. I mean, I know you and I will be tuning in, but hopefully the other folks here will be doing the same on that one. I'm also assuming that this is uh, probably a lot of listeners' first episode for us because when we get a high profile guest, uh, we always notice our numbers go up. Yeah, that's right. And uh, this is definitely a high profile guest, at least in our eyes, because. Rick and Morty right now is on fire. It's probably the first or second most favorite TV show on TV currently. Uh, Game of Thrones, probably number one while it's airing. Probably not number one when it's not airing. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Things work ways. <laughs> um, Good for you, Scott. Yeah, so we just want to give another uh, a, a warning real quick before we get into the interview. Um, we are currently hosted on a couple of radio stations. Yeah, RainbowRadio.fm and the uh, podcast. podcast Radio Network. Yeah, yeah. and uh, both of those have a very set schedule and a very set running time of exactly 60 minutes with no bleeding over because the next show has to come on. So our interview went longer than we thought, and we weren't going to tell Ryan to stop talking because he Shut was up. amazing. And cut him off. Man. Yeah. yeah, no, no way. Um, so, so if you're listening, you're uh, you're going to get cut off if you're on one of the radio stations. Uh, what I would suggest, and this is a good way to shout out some of our social presence, um, hit us up on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbay, Podbean, any of the uh, basic podcasting networks, uh, minus iHeartRadio if you're a subscriber to that on the side. We're not on that one. Um, fuck them. Yeah. No, no, fuck no. iHeartRadio. No, no good. Fuck you. Fuck yeah. them. So, uh... With that Fuck out of the way, I so. Heart Radio. Are you listening? Is there probably an employee? Hey, you know what? There might be an employee of that them doesn't listening. actually use their own like like service to listen they, to the they, podcast because they, agree they want so it. much. Because they're like, I actually want to listen yeah. to this one, and and our fucking service sucks. And uh, also, uh, if you're listening and you want to maybe comment on the show, uh, share it with your friends and whatnot, you can find us on Twitter at The Lost at Home. You can also find us on our Facebook page, and we have a uh, semi-private 
Facebook fan group that you yeah. can ask if you to be ask, part of. If you ask, we will let you be a part of it, and as long as you don't abuse that privilege, we well, are happy we, to have you. We get you. pretty uh, pretty randy on there with our uh, colorful Ooh, language. Randy, huh? So uh, we, we do keep it a closed group so that anything that's said there, which could affect someone's employment, per se, yeah. uh, is kept between us. Yes, right. And exactly. we also do fun things in there, like we do uh, polls and question of the week sometimes. And right. It's a good way to find us. It. just, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I guess I shouldn't ramble anymore. Yeah, Everyone, no, I everyone's think people just have like, been like, where's Ryan? Ryan Ridley? Where, where's Ryan? Where's, where's Ryan? Ryan? Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, Ryan? You know, keep, no, keep uh, keep doing shitty improv Ryan? so we get to the uh, we get to the uh, interview even later. I don't that's even cool. hear Ryan yet. So let's give uh, let's give them Ryan. Here's Ryan. All right, uh, welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're absolutely pleased to have you. We're huge fans of everything that you do. Uh, Jared and I are both fans of Community and Rick and Morty. Absolutely, we yeah. Never miss an episode. Uh, this is actually all right. Thank you. This is actually airing uh, kind of close to the end of the season of Rick and Morty. Uh, I, I feel like we're out of the spoiler zone here, so everything should be safe. I think so. Yeah, and we can we can just say a quick spoiler alert to anybody listening that hasn't watched all the Rick and Mortys up to this point. Uh, well, you sh- you're you're an idiot, and you should definitely watch them all anyway. But uh, just a quick spoiler, just in case we get into any of that stuff. Now, so this will be airing. This will be dropped after the last episode, or close to that. I think. Let's see. Uh, September eighth ish. I think something like that. I think we'll be dropping this one seventh eighth. You say September? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. September seventh oh, okay. eighth. No, 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 no. It'll it'll be still. I think it'll be still. Be four or five, so or at least four. So I'm not going to spoil, and I won't talk about anything then from the seventh episode on. Okay, great, great. All right, that sounds fair. All right, um, so I guess jumping right into this, Ryan, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now. On my bed in my at my apartment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, like to, I drove home from work. <laughs> what what what, what, what road did you door. take? The highway or a, a main road? I took the 170. From North Hollywood to the 101, I got off the exit at the Hollywood Boulevard exit, a real nightmare on a Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. and it uh, took me about half hour to get home. So Excellent. Do you, get changed, uh, do you usually get changed before you hop into, uh, hop into bed? Any uh, pajamas or anything like that? You just go straight up? Uh, no, 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 no. This is, this is just what I wore to work, but the, I'll tell you why I'm in my bedroom, in case you're wondering why I would be in my bedroom for a podcast interview, because... My apartment doesn't have any air conditioning, and except for my bedroom, uh, and it's so it's miserable here in the summer. And uh, you know, just in case you think that Rick and Morty uh, buys mansions, it don't. <laughs> oh well, that's too bad. Uh, it, you, well, you 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 buy us a, a lot of entertainment, and uh, we really appreciate that. And I guess the the other question we had, aside from how you got into your nice little bedroom there, is uh, how you got started uh, w- on you know where you are today with uh, community and Rick and Morty, uh, as you mentioned. Oh, okay. So uh, I let's see, how far back do I go? I'm going to go back and give you the broad strokes. How about that? Sounds good. Yeah. I. Uh, it was a terrible student in high school. Uh, all I did was hang out with my friends and get high and, and joke around and all that stuff and and didn't really have a plan. Graduated high school with horrible grades and went to community college for a couple of years, which Ooh. served me later in um, community. And then uh, 
started to write jokes for stand-up because my dad owns a comedy club in Michigan, still exists, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, one of the premier comedy clubs in the country, if not uh, the Midwest, and I get lots of people always hitting me up to see if they can get booked in my dad's club, uh, and they always pretend that they want to talk to me, and then they get to the real point of it. Anyway, I digress. So... Uh, wrote jokes for some stand-ups. That was sort of my foray into like, oh, maybe I can make this, uh, you know, an actual profession. And eventually I was like, well, I think I want to do stand-up because I want to actually deliver these jokes and and write them for myself. So then I started doing stand-up in Detroit. And then I moved to Chicago because stand-up in Detroit was not really creatively the environment I, I was hoping for, but Chicago was amazing. Did a lot of stand-up there. With uh, I came up with Kumail Nanjiani and TJ Miller from Silicon Valley, Pete Holmes, Cal Kane, Matt Bronger, um, a lot of really awesome people. That was sort of uh, my, my... That was my college years because I really didn't experience any traditional college. And then I met a guy named Danny Jelenic when we were waiting cables, and he was the first person who was like, you know, oh, hey, you know how to make videos because I didn't know how to make videos. He actually knew how to edit on a computer, and so we started making videos together, and I put a lot of those comedians in it. I Not to brag, I gave Kumail's first acting role Ooh. in a video, and then uh, I um, was like, by the way, I've been blathering. I don't know if you guys want to interject. Oh, <laughs> oh no, there, no one wants to hear us. Intermission? Yeah, yeah, this is, <laughs> no, okay. no one wants to hear us. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so so last we left Ryan uh, rambling, uh, I was starting to make videos with my friend Danny, and then we found out about this thing called Channel 101, which Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub had created, and I made it my goal to move to L.A. specifically to become involved with that and get on Dan and Rob's radar, uh, which after a lot of failure I eventually did, um, and along the way got to know Justin and, and became creative you know, join the mutual respect society that usually happens when you get involved with a group of people that are doing shit. And then we all would collaborate on channel 101 videos and podcasts and all different kinds of stuff. And then eventually, uh, Dan hired me for things like VH1's acceptable TV, uh, Rick and Morty community. I got to act in a couple episodes of Sarah Silverman program that Rob was directing and that was really what led to my foot in the door, so to speak, and I got an agent and started writing, and then through that got jobs on other shows that were unrelated to friends and, now, and collaborators. Now, you said a moment ago that it was after some failure. Were you submitting to Channel 101 and things just weren't hitting? Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that I submitted was rejected, which... Fair enough, because I, when I moved to L.A., I didn't know anybody, so there's one guy I knew named Tom Clark, a really funny comedian, and we made a, a Channel 101 show where basically everything was one-shots because we had to shoot each other. So I'd be like, here's your shot. Now give me the camera. Now you shoot me. Uh, and it looked terrible. Who knows? It probably wasn't the best. And then the next month, after being so angry and bitter watching what did get in, which looking back was, was probably superior stuff, uh, submitted something that, that not only got in, but 
but got um, was one vote away from getting uh, voted back to the next one's screening. And then at the end of the year, actually was nominated for or won best quote failed pilot at the uh, Channies, which is sort of like the Emmys of the Channel One Hundred One world. Oh, uh, do do you remember what, exactly what that was? The, uh, the the actual skit or show? The show, oh, of course. I mean, it was only thirteen years ago. It was Hope House, which is a story about a halfway house or rehabby kind of place with just the misfits that that live there together. And Tom played the kind of straight straight laced counselor, and I was one of the freaks. And you know, we had a bunch of people we'd cast that Tom knew for improv and stuff. Um, so yeah, that was that. Then then I made a, a series of of failed pilot shows that got into the screening past the primetime panel, which at the time was like Harmon and Schraub and the Lonely Island guys. And, and, you know, they're the ones who are the gatekeepers because they're the ones who have the current primetime shows. They, they put the show in and the audience voted, they didn't vote it back. And that was for like my first, like after the rejected one, like the first three or four, I don't think got voted back. And then finally I got voted back on a, with a show called Utopia. Um, which only went two episodes. It got canceled the very next month, but people seem to really love it. People still reference it today to me sometimes. So check it out. Well, I Absolutely think well, I will. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, I was talking to your podcast audience. <laughs> check it out. Well, we, we will as well. And we're also telling everybody, check it out. Uh, and we appreciate you talking no, to the no, audience. No, no. I don't want you guys to check it out. Just your audience. <laughs> okay. We will not. We've been blacklisted. We've fine. Been, yeah, fine. Our, our, our <laughs> IP address is not going to work. Um, <laughs> Now going into uh, you, you mentioned uh, you know working on uh, community in one hundred and one. Um, now, when when it actually it came to work on Rick and Morty, was this kind of like a, a like an immediate step into the door working on Rick and Morty? The fact that you had been working with Dan on uh, Channel one hundred and one, one hundred and one, uh, and community, or did you actually still have to kind of beg for it, or were you actually part of the creative process and actually bringing Rick and Morty to life? Good question. Uh, and, and with lots of different answers and sub answers. So uh, I had worked with Dan on Rick and Morty season one was before uh, community season five, which was the first season I worked at community. So I didn't, I worked on community after Rick and Morty. So uh, with Rick and Morty, I had been working with Dan on a web series called water and power. Obviously we'd already worked together on, on acceptable TV and had been friends and same with Justin and I, we were friends and we were doing a podcast together and then we'd actually done a, a real, we'd done a couple things together, a, a Cartoon Network pilot and then a, a Black Eyed Peas animated series pilot. Long story, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> Very curious about that one, but I'll yeah, let you I, I, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I have a lot of answers. So, so we, we had been, all the three of us have been collaborating you know, separately. And then also, you know, we all were all, we're all friends and just, that was sort of what we all did back then. It was all just work together, but we're also friends. And so when Rick and Morty was happening, um, I wasn't involved creatively with it from a writing point of view, but I was cast as the voice of the Frank Palicki, the bully that Rick freezes in the high school scene, uh, scene. And so that was my only contribution creatively. And then I think it was a pretty, it was pretty, um, obvious that I would be brought in early on just because, you know, they, we'd all work together so much and they liked what I did and we all, we all shared the same sensibility. And so I was brought in before the show was picked up when they, I've also made ordered two scripts after the pilot 
which were the episodes that became Lawnmower Dog and uh, Rick Potion Number Nine. Those are the first two episodes that we wrote. All it was just Dan, Justin, me, and then our writer's assistant at the time, Mike McMahon, who's now a writer and producer on the show. And we wrote those first two episodes. I wrote one, and Justin wrote the other. And then when the show got picked up, the series obviously I was there and have been there ever since. All right, that's my answer. Awesome. That, yeah, that is a great. We, we answer. appreciate we appreciate the sub answers as well. Now, oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fans of the show probably have a lot of questions they want us to ask you, but we definitely have a few of our own that we've nitpicked here and whittled down. Um, I'm kind of curious about the designs of the show uh, from a writer's perspective, uh, specifically like the robots, the worlds, the tech, the aliens. Um, do you and the other writers get a lot of influence in how the show looks when there's a finished product? Yes actually i mean i i can't speak for some of the other writers me and a guy named dan guterman who's brilliant comedy writer who i met working with him on the uh fifth season of community he was brought over from colbert report uh and we quickly bonded just sensibility wise and comedically and became good friends we brought him on a rick and morty season two and he and i along with mike mcmahon were sort of the top, the upper level people writer producers who are who are doing a lot of the things that that you know executive producers would do sometimes or or co-executive producers i suppose so we would consult with the um design team a lot i mean you know it's it's really important and the truth is sometimes even justin or dan won't get why i will get so upset if an alien looks a certain way because it's just it's to me you got to have things you know things can't be arbitrary uh in, you know because there's sometimes the visual is serving the story i mean i got i remember when uh the second episode which was um sorry the second season the sixth episode the microverse one i think it's called the ricks must be crazy i wrote with guterman the scenes where they split up rick and morty and then more rick ends up finding morty who's been living amongst the quote tree people and they were literally designed by the art director in the first pass very very talented guy um but you know i hadn't talked to him before that and he designed them all as literally tree people like from the wizard of oz like walking trees and i was like so adamant that they had to look like alien humanoid aliens they couldn't be anthropomorphic trees i wrote tree people not to be interpreted literally, but as they live amongst the trees. And so that became a big sort of like, you know, a, a hill I was willing to fight and die on because I just thought if it, it, it would just be weird if it was suddenly like, why are these tree people? I want them to be something that feels like an, uh, an indigenous alien culture that lives there amongst the trees, but not are actually literally trees. And those things, in my mind, that was important. I can't think of other, I mean, I could probably think of other examples, of that, but I don't want to waste too much time. But the other big thing I've talked about this before was the Meeseeks were always, um, I had written that episode script and pictured them as basically the size of Smurfs. And I sort of imagined looking like a little kind of jelly bean, probably the, the, more like the jelly bean king from the, the same episode, but a little bit probably designed differently, but definitely small because there's a scene when they come in to the restaurant and Jerry and Beth are having dinner. And I remember I was like, oh, and then one of them will be on the tabletop like pointing a gun at Jerry. And uh, when the designs came back, they were what they look like now, which is the same size as an average human. And there was this big 
like debate because it turned out like the blue dress gold dress thing like half the room had perceived the Misiks based on the script as tall as tall as people and half had perceived them as like what I thought which was like smurf size so when it was like that clearly evenly divided there was a lot of like well which way should we go and finally we went with the tall version which I mean that's a huge difference like those characters probably wouldn't be what they are if they were tiny it'd be a different I don't know if it'd be better or worse but it'd be different are you personally happy with how it turned out yeah, I mean, it's amazing how many things I get frustrated about. Because, look, at the end of the day, it's Dan and Justin have the final say, and that's very frustrating because, for me, I I do a lot of the writing, and I, you know, without coming off like a, uh, a uh, self-congratulatory credit hog, I think I exert the most influence creatively on the show underneath those guys. And, you know, Dan and Justin have said it before. but so So I'll do a lot of writing and stuff, on episodes that aren't mine and I'll, and I'll have very clear visions of how I want things or, or even like, you know, how I want jokes to land or how I want a joke to play out visually. And in the third season, I had a lot more control over that, but in the first two, not as much. And it's, it's really frustrating sometimes when you can't have it be executed the way you visualize that. I think any writer would say that. I think that's a classic thing with writers and, and that aren't able to direct or, or executive produce their own projects. Um, but then as the years go by, you kind of like forget what you were so frustrated about and you watch something you're like, it was fine. I, it's fine. I don't know what I was so upset about at the time. Why it had, why the, why the gloopy nooper had to be, had to have three dick tentacles instead of four, you know, like it's important. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's gotta yeah. be a, a tough line to toe though, because you, you know, especially working with a group uh, of people that you trust and things like that to, to choose which battles, because there are some, if you see something that way in your head and you're like, this is the only way it's going to be funny when you finally step aside and, and, and give your, you know, designers and the other folks, you know, the trust that you want to give them so they don't actually feel like everything they, you know, come to the table with is going to get stomped on while also making sure to retain your vision. I feel that's got to be kind of a tough thing to, to pick and choose when you're, you know, you're working with a large group of people and a lot of different creative minds there. Yeah, absolutely, because you have to respect the, uh, the animators, not the animators, I always forget the animators are the guys in Canada who actually animate the final product. The in the in, the people we're working with in the offices are the board artists who are drawing the storyboards under the under the under the you know supervision of the director of the episode and the design team, which is the character designers, the background designers, the prop designers, and then there's a color team. But you know, you want all those people to also feel like it's a collaborative thing. And I and I've heard from 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 people in the design team that it, it is pretty collaborative because some places are much more strict about every detail. And in, in this case, it's like, you know, I, I had a pretty good relationship with the, with the character, the lead character designer. So I'd walk over and I'd be like, all right, like I'm kind of picturing this for a Phoenix person. And then he'd show us designs and, and you know, we'd have notes and stuff, but like kind of wanted to feel like at the end of the day, both the writers and the artists are feeling creatively satisfied instead of, you know, one person feeling like they're just being, you know, barked barked orders at and just you know drawing by rote like what i'm dictating or what a writer is dictating you know and that goes for everybody the composers the editors everybody well yeah and actually speaking of the group mentality you know we're we're going into or you know we're actually well into the third season uh with a new group of diverse writers and um being part of the new diverse writers room for season three have you noticed uh, because we definitely have and i don't know how close you pay attention to some of the 
the uh, good and poison on you know places like Reddit and things like that. Have you noticed the strange backlash, specifically on Twitter and Reddit, of people? You know, blaming what they would call a bad season, which, by the way, I absolutely love this season. I think it's one of the best. This uh, probably is my favorite. So far. I, I feel like everyone goes by, but a lot of people are, are complaining about it, and I think a lot of it specifically is being blamed on added female writers. And uh, if if you have noticed it, or whether you have it or not, I guess uh, what you how, how you and the other writers uh, deal with that kind of level and stupid level of misogyny and outlash or uh, on the Reddit community. I'm so happy you asked me that question because I have been, yes, I have noticed it <laughs> I figured. very, very much and have dealt with a little bit on Twitter and I read a lot of the Reddit posts and I read reviews. I mean, I've been paying a lot of attention to the perception of the season on every level, even YouTube comments. And I... I'm, I will admit I am not as articulate or nor do I spend as much time on Twitter as Dan Harmon does. So I've never really felt comfortable engaging. And I have a couple times, but I'll address it right here for the first time as an exclusive. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, first of all, it's obviously horrible, but it's beyond just horrible. It's just ignorant because it, the, the first issue to deal with is the fact that these people don't understand how writers room work i mean you know on any tv show the showrunner slash creator executive producers are going to be exerting 90 to well let's say 70 to 90 percent of the influence on a show depending on, on 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 how you know who you're working with i mean dan has always exerted a lot of influence he exerts more so on i think community than rick than rick and morty simply because you know he's, it's a partnership with justin and I, as i said i think i I've sort of wedged myself in there a little bit, sometimes to their frustration creatively. But the point is, in a, in a show like that, those guys at the top and the top writer-producers are going to always exert the most, mo the most control. It's not like those episodes, second, third, and fourth of the season, who which all had female writers' names on it. It's not like we just gave them those episodes and just said, go write whatever you want. Uh, it, the, every episode of the show is a, is a group collaborative process and then writers are all sent to go write first drafts and then depending on how close the draft comes to what Dan is looking for or what we're all looking for uh, Dan either does a lot of rewriting or he does a little rewriting or, or I'll do a little rewriting or I'll, well, I'll break the script up and, and, and all the writers will kind of take scenes and, you know, if we're really close to like a deadline it's like you know, we, we in the past have straight up group written episodes, like the finale of season two, you know, each scene was, was written by a different writer with, with Dan ultimately always going over everything because it's got to all feel cohesive to the tone and the style of the show. So, so those episodes, while were there, the first drafts were written by, and, and all the episodes are written by the writers whose names are on the episode, though it's th those, those writers as women or as men or as, uh, former assistants who became writers or, or whatever the category of writer on, on our show, it's not like it's them that has said, well, this is how I'm changing the show, Rick and Morty, so fuck you, Reddit, because now I want Rick to be more emotional because I'm a woman or I'm this. or I'm that. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that, 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 that any individual writer just changes the, the tone of the show. I mean, the show, the season is what it is, and the criticisms are Rick isn't acting like himself or, or, or 
the Pickle Rick episode was too tell and not show because you're just having the therapist say things. And I'm like, that is quintessential Dan Harmon writing right there, the therapist monologue, the Dr. Wong character. I mean, that is as Harmon as it gets. And so when I read these people criticize Jessica, uh, who wrote the, the draft of Pickle Rick, I'm like, it's and saying these writers don't know the show. I'm like, that's that's the show. That's Dan Harmon's yeah. voice right there. And I feel like the, and the, it's, the, with these people, like there would there would be no winning with them anyway. I think they, these people came to like the uh, under like realized that there were going to be more female writers, and came to the show with this idea in mind, saying, "How can I pick this apart?" And so they're actually having a complete false conception of what they're seeing anyway because of their you know kind of bigotry going into it. They said, "I'm not going to like this episode, and I'm going to find out why." Whereas. I didn't. I didn't go into it with any of that understanding whatsoever. I just watched it as a, a, a new season of Rick and Morty that I was really excited about, and every single piece of it felt like Rick and Morty to me. And it feels like not only that, you're nailing it better and better every episode. Every episode is getting more Rick and Morty every single time. There's been nothing about this season that has seemed less Rick and Morty about Rick and Morty. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always going to be episodes that I personally like more than others. I mean, that that's I, 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 I online I. I was going back and forth with somebody and I said, you know, I wish we could have done a Pepsi challenge with the season where meaning, you know, there were no names on the, on the episodes. So that way it's a blind taste test. So no one's bringing in their, their bias. If it's misogynist or, or anything to an episode, they're just watching it and they're, they're judging it based on if they actually like the episode. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I, do I think that there were episodes this season that are weaker than others? I won't say which ones, but yeah, of course. But I thought that about the second and the first season, too. And I tried to say online, like, look, my name's been on some really bad, in my opinion, episodes of Rick and Morty. But I don't remember anyone ever coming out and saying Ryan Ridley is, is a horrible writer. He's ruining Rick and Morty. So it does seem like... Uh, it, it was this bias that people, I think partially, I'm, I'm not saying it's 100%. Look, I mean, some episodes in the first, you know, batch of the season were really hard episodes that kind of fell apart and, and were had to be put back together. And, and I think, you know, for me, I can see the flaws. I can see the duct tape. Um, and so I'm going to always be critical of any episode of Rick and Morty that, that, that was that, you know, hard to kind of put together ultimately whereas some just shot right out very, very cleanly and, and with a clear vision of what they were from the beginning. Um, and so, you know, I, yeah, I, I, I think that also part of the problem was the narrative from a public point of view, which we never had to deal with in the first and second season because nobody fucking gave a shit about the show. So no one has any narrative construct in their mind. Uh, and suddenly now it's, it's this thing, it's this hit, it's this cultural sensation. And so there's a narrative that then intertwined with this greater adult swim narrative that, that had to deal with their issues with hiring women. And, and suddenly the fact that we made a decision to put an effort into hiring women this year became a narrative, which if it hadn't been, no one would have said shit. They probably wouldn't have noticed. I mean, no one really, most people don't pay attention to writers names on episodes. Mm. So, but there was a narrative that was hyped, uh, built up before the season aired that I think played into what became this misogynistic backlash, which is, obviously bullshit yeah i remember uh reading about a year ago uh maybe it might even been two years ago uh an article about adult swim and it was a it was like a think piece about how their misogynistic network because a lot of their showrunners are male uh they even used brett gelman leaving one of his shows as an example of how people within are not happy with how it's working 
And I think that basically seeded it and was the foundation for people then to latch on to anything. It's like, oh, we're fixing this. And then people can immediately be like, uh, now we can hate the fact that you're fixing it. Hmm. Well, the truth is, uh, you know, and I've read enough online to know this is part of the uh, conspiracy mythology behind everything. Uh, that backlash with adults don't happen well into at least the big public blow up stuff I think that resulted in Brett leaving and all that that we were already writing season three there were already these, these, these new writers hired and and so then I read online that like oh we were told by Adult Swim or Turner or whoever to it was a mandate to hire them no frankly me and Mike McMahon were like dude we have to like we were sort of in charge of hiring new writers because Dan and Justin are they're 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 like working on a billion different things, and so we were like, let's let's like ask for a bunch of you know female writers scripts, and and because let's make an effort because in the past, the truth is the real the real the reality is we just the first season hired like people we knew we were just hired friends because nobody knows what Rick and Morty is, and so we're just like I don't know let's just hire friends, and then the second season was uh, we met these guys in community and we really like them so let's bring them on board. And and the third season was the first time w men or women, which we read plenty of men's scripts too. We were like, well, let's like tell our agents and managers to to bring us candidates, like in a traditional writers' room, and then we will read scripts, and then we will bring in the people whose scripts we like, and we'll narrow down the the best ones, and then we'll meet with them. And if they're also cool, then we'll we'll bring them on a retreat. And if they have a good time on the retreat, then we'll or you know we click with them, then we'll consider hiring them. And so it's just amazing how it's been a lesson in how the, you know, truth gets distorted. Oh, absolutely. When Especially when, when on the Reddit and Twitter. Amplified at this level. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I think like a lot of that too is uh, like those people who feel like so tied to the show and Dan Harmon and that these new writers didn't have the, you know, the the best of the show in mind and things like that is also disrespect for the showrunners in general is if you all are going to take a look at scripts written by somebody like well this person sucks for the job but we're going to have to hire him because they you know got a vagina it's like as if you know you all aren't going to actually take the the show in mind and actually just read the best scripts and still hire the best people just because you happen to have solicited more scripts from more female writers doesn't mean you're still not picking the best people for the job and i think that's the other side of it is people just assume because you solicited these uh, these scripts from women and you know went out intentionally hiring these that they also just didn't happen to be the best for the job which clearly you know they know the show and they know exactly what's good for the show and i just think it's a lot of like disrespect for the showrunners to think that you would you know just go and and, and give into this and not actually hire who's best for the show well, yeah, I mean, you know, no one when we're when we're hiring people, we are trying to make our jobs easier. That's right. it. Yeah. That's the only agenda we have. And so we hired people who, oh, this script was really funny. Oh, this script really this script dealt with uh sci-fi and comedy and that's what we do. Uh this script was was pretty good. It was it showed it showed like they had a solid, you know, knack for writing and but they were really charismatic in the writers room. And the truth is, you know, another narrative that I've read, which is obviously false, is that we got rid of all the old writers. But look, writers come and go because writers work out or don't work out for lots of reasons. Some people are amazing, but they don't click with one or two people. Uh, some people aren't t turn out to not be so amazing. They're, they're, they're better on the page, but they're not great in the room. 
I mean, the, the reason that people or people got jobs on network TV shows. So, hmm. you know, the, the reason people come and go is not because we were like, all right, time to please the SJW community. Clean house and bring in the women. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Well, glad we glad we got that cleared up. Absolutely, we it's it's been it's been sitting on our mind, and we're really happy to uh, speak to somebody from the show uh, hey, around great, this time for that reason. Great answers too on that. Uh, it's very appreciated. Now, no, I'm look. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I was able. To, I'm a better talker than I am a typer. So I'm glad I was able to just vomit <laughs> out all this like frustration I've been going through the past uh, I don't know month or two since the show's been airing. Because I yes, I'm I, I am paying very very close attention to uh, to everything. Figured. Now, with uh, season three midway through airing, uh, we're kind of curious. Uh, has season four been greenlit? And if so, uh, are the writers back to work or about to? Mm, I know nothing. <laughs> that's, not, that's not being being cute. I really know nothing. If if the if the if the show's been greenlit, uh, I don't know about it. I mean, look, it doesn't take a a. a having a master's in finance to understand that the show is clearly profitable for mm -hmm. the network and, 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 and also has a huge fan base and anybody that's generating lots of merchandise and, and the ratings have gone, I think we're the second highest rated show underneath Game of Thrones on Sundays. So there's obviously going to be a fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, who knows how many seasons. Um, I don't know for sure if it's actually concretely going to happen anytime soon. I, have a very strange relationship with that show. I had to take another job on another show. That's that's very cool in its own res respect. And I don't know if that's going to cause a scheduling conflict with coming back to, to Rick and Morty. Um, I'd love to make it work, but you know, I'm at a crossroads where it's like, you know, you, you can't wait around forever for, you know, that's the unfortunate thing about the schedule of an adult swim show is anyone who is a fan of Venture Brothers knows like hmm. for some reason they just can't, turn these shows into the factory um, regimented system as, as a Simpsons or a family guy would, would be, which is both good and bad because I don't think that the energy and the spirit of adult swim and, and, and specifically Rick and Morty should be produced like a family guy or a Simpsons. I think that's going to ultimately make it a more diluted product, but agreed. We got to work. It'd be nice if uh, yeah, you know yeah. we didn't have a six months to a year between seasons. Good, good restraint, by the way, on the season four question. Uh, we we asked a similar one of Dan Harmon uh, for season two, and he uh, he basically blurted out that it was happening, and then swore a lot into his vodka. Yeah, yeah. I don't actually. Remember, I, I think he just like blurted it out without us even asking. He's like, by the way, season two, you guys have an exclusive now. Boom. I like, uh, I like after his five or six fucks in a row, he was like, ah, just leave it in. Yeah, just like, <laughs> we can cut that, but he's like, ah, leave it in. Who gives well, I am stone cold sober, and I don't believe I've uttered but a single profanity. Oh, I thought you were just going to say fuck. Oh, that, not yeah, a single yeah. fuck. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> um, Feel free to, by the way. It is a not safe for work show. So. Yeah, yeah, you can you can go to town. Um, uh, well, you you talked about uh, so you know getting another job and another show. Uh, so that kind of leads me into one of the things I was curious about of any side projects or other projects that we can expect from you specifically in the future. Fuck you. <laughs> okay, I might have misused my one fuck. Oh, you you can have more than one. Yeah, you can have all you want. Dude. <laughs> okay. Uh. I'm working on a show. I, I, I guess I can. I, I don't know why I'm so cagey about talking about this simply because um, 
I don't know if you can tell, but I'm I'm uh, I'm 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 pretty honest about when I talk about Rick and Morty. I'm I'm maybe not as diplomatic or politically savvy as I could be or should be, but only because I don't I'm not able to to speak as openly or don't have as big of a platform as Justin and Dan have, and so I'm you know I'm 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 taking advantage a little bit here of clearing things up, and I don't hope I don't step on anybody's toes or 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 uh, contradict anybody's narrative, but. Um, not being the uh, technical creators or showrunners of that show. Uh, however, uh, that sounded passive aggressive. I'm not to say that they are, that I am anything but a not technical. Can we edit this part out? <laughs> no, no, I'm liking where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, what, what I mean to say is I, I, I feel it's oftentimes I am, I am a, a big part of that show and have been for a while. And I'm, I'm, and, and, and because of my friendship with those guys, I sometimes feel like maybe I uh, step on, toes a little bit or 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 maybe um what's another expression uh, another cliche perhaps i um uh oh god uh punch above my weight and and i don't i don't want to do that i just want to tell my perception of the truth and what's going on all that being said i i freely talk about rick and morty because of of my involvement in that show the the job i'm currently working on is is you know, a job that I don't know everybody as well, and it's uh, it doesn't have the sort of camaraderie like feeling. So I don't want to drag anyone uh, into the mud of, of any of any you know stuff. But uh, I'm working on a, a Fox show called Ghosted coming out this fall. That's uh, like Adam Scott oh, and yeah, Craig Robinson as yeah, it's basically like you know comedy X Files uh, energy of oh. like you know Ghostbusters, Beverly Hills Cop, the classic action comedy of the '80s, and it. It's totally 100% up my alley. It's the only show that I read scripts of this season that I was like, well, that's that's the show I want to work on. That's, I mean, that's the show that I've wanted to see for years. I don't know why it's taken this long to do what I'm sure there's a thousand scripts, spec scripts in Hollywood of, which is just comedy X-Files, you know? And, and the fact that it's with those guys who are both top-tier actors and so charismatic on screen is pretty exciting and uh i i think it's gonna turn out good awesome yeah that sounds absolutely that sounds awesome man yeah definitely looking forward to it i've been keeping track of like news on it myself uh it's definitely on my watch list yeah when you when you put the words comedy and x-files together it kind of it definitely uh makes my ears perk up that's for sure um, yeah, I mean, come on, it's, yeah. it's a no-brainer. Come on, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I think actually that's a pretty good um, slide into. Uh, we're gonna, you know, not keep you for too much longer. We want to get to our ten questions uh, that nobody's ever asked you in an interview before. And um, so what we're gonna do is kind of you can make these as uh, as rapid fire or as thorough as you want them to be. Uh, it's all up to you. And we're just gonna go and rattle off those. I'm gonna take the odds, and actually the first one. Uh, uh, goes back to uh, something actually you just mentioned, which is very a nice little segue here. Uh, number one is a softball that we ask most of our guests, and that is, who is your favorite Ghostbuster? I mean, obviously, it's uh, uh, Ray. Uh, no, Peter Venkman. Peter Venkman, yeah, Bankman, the yeah. Bill Murray character. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's well, it's, just because that's that's who doesn't. I mean, I want to be that guy. I want you know, I want to be charming, and and I also want to be detached from reality and be able to. Like, uh, comment on it as a reaction to the fear of the of the you know the terrors that they were fighting. I mean that's that's the guy I I want to be in my real life. Yeah, I I get that, and I I always want to be able to say back off, man. I'm a scientist and actually be that badass. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, Back off, man. I'm a TV writer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it almost works. It really and does. I sometimes do voices. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number two. Uh, we did a little digging, and we found out that you share a birthday with Tony Hawk, Jason Biggs, and Emilio Estevez. Let's play Fuck, Mary wow, Kill. Wow, big three. Yeah. You know, you, you know Fuck, Mary Kill? We're going to ask you if you could do Fuck, Mary Kill with Tony Hawk, Jason Biggs, and Emilio Estevez right now. Sure. I'm going to go with uh, Kill Jason Biggs. That's fair. Fuck, fuck Emilio Estevez and marry Tony Hawk. Okay. Now, let me explain that there's an asterisk to this. My good friend is friends with Tony Hawk, and even though I haven't met him, I, I feel like closer to him by proxy... And therefore, he seems like someone that I would have a better marriage with than Emilio Estevez, who I have no connection whatsoever mm. with. Yeah. But do you remember from the 80s as being a dreamboat? So that's why fuck. And yeah, obviously, Jason fuckable. Biggs is going to be killed because what, 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 he's Jason Biggs. Yeah, what's, what have you done for me lately, Jason? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Tony Hawk supposedly, from what I understand, is actually a very, very nice guy. And very, uh, he has not lost uh, sight of his old school roots and uh, just being a normal dude. So that's a, that's a good, good choice there. Um, we're going number three here. Uh, we're, we're we don't get too political, but we're just gonna you know bring up uh, this is hard to ignore now. Nazis are making a comeback, yeah. And if you could have any superpower to fight Nazis, what would that superpower be? Turn them black. Ooh. Ooh, the old, uh, the old oh, yeah. Twilight Zone power. Yeah. I like that. That's right. Yeah, you gotta you gotta choose like yeah. Do you, that's you why really he's the writer. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. All right. I would say turn them Jewish, but I you know it's like then you're still gonna get those Ryan Gosling uh, and the Believer uh, Nazis. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Uh, number four. Yeah. Uh, you've done stand up before, and I'm sure you've seen a heckler or two in your day. If you could pick a saw-like torture for hecklers, just all of them, what would it be? Did you say a saw-like torture? Yeah, you know, like, like the, the movie saw. saw. Yeah, you could, you, or any, you know, you, could, you could go to town on any yeah. heckler <laughs> and, and, and be fine. Uh, maybe it's something like like they 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 wouldn't be able to free themselves from their from their trap uh, unless they can actually make me laugh. Oh yeah! Reverse it. Like there you that. go. You go. That's another good Twilight Zoney one, actually, on there. Well, yeah, because I mean, isn't that the whole thing? Is that hecklers, by their nature, they want the attention. They think they can do a better job than the comedian, and and ninety nine percent of them aren't going to do that mm -hmm. because they're not. They're just all, they're just drunk dicks. So, but 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 that would be what would make it so hard for them that right. they got to now make a comedian laugh, and they got a. a a fucking, you know, brace around their neck that's slowly squeezing clothes. <laughs> I think they've got to so slow. It's gonna yeah. be extra hard. That that's yeah. No, I, I really appreciate that one. Uh, and uh, we've got uh, actually this, this one's a, a, a curious one here. Um, number five is uh, what is the weirdest thing Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland have done to slash with slash around you? Um, I guess since you've known them, you've known them both for a while now. Any kind of hijinks or anything? Any, I'm sorry, any kind of hijinks? <laughs> what, what, Those what's motherfuckers the, no. are nothing but hijinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the weirdest, what, what's the, or the craziest one? It doesn't have to be dirt. We're not looking for dirt. We're not looking to, you know, post crap on Reddit here. But sure, what's, yeah, what's, yeah, some, yeah. Fun, what's some fun stuff that uh, Dan and or Justin, or maybe that you've done to them? 
boy. I mean, that's 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 a question that's that's going to get that's going to. I can't think of an answer as quickly as the other two, just because uh, there's been so much so much time spent with them over the years. I, I mean, Justin is 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 a really funny, entertaining. They both are really funny, entertaining people, and especially when we're out partying at like a comic con or something. Oh, so Justin once at a wedding uh, for a friend of mine, actually happened to be my ex-girlfriend, but we were at this wedding and they had these, uh, I guess they were like eco-friendly flatware. So all the spoons and knives were like these, like wooden. So Justin had early in the night uh, drawn cartoon Justin Roiland style eyeballs. They probably had little uh, signature, uh, you know, Rick and Morty weird asterisky eye pupils. And he, he put those, slid those behind his glasses the whole night and was this character named Spoonie. <laughs> and, and throughout the night, as if it was, frankly, like a Tony and Tina's wedding style, like he was a character that was interacting with the guests of the wedding all night. We referred to him as Spoonie, and he had these fucking cartoon eyes on <laughs> that looked hilarious. You might be able to find a picture on Facebook. And, oh, and, awesome. and because that was happening all night long at the wedding, when the... It culminated, I think, the dancing, and then the dance floor cleared out for, I think, speeches? I can't remember. But at one point, at the end of the night, Spoonie was so well-established as a character in everyone's minds and hearts that, that when the dance floor was cleared, everyone was like, Spoonie! Spoonie! <laughs> and, and Justin and Spoonie went to the center of the floor in front of, you know, a hundred wedding guests and gave this speech about how, I came from another world to your planet in search of spoons <laughs> and and just went off on this monologue in the character as the character Spoonie and it just it it just it was hilarious and it was classic <laughs> Justin especially classic Justin plus Hennessy <laughs> in a public place yeah, it, from from everything I I've, I've heard about Justin it sounds like he kind of lives his life as a Rick and Morty character it's, I mean in other words so much of him comes out in Rick and Morty of course he he does. I mean, that's that's the ultimate tragedy of, of of my relationship with Justin is that we've worked together so closely on so many things over the years, and he can be because he is who he is. There, you know, just like with Dan, their brilliance and their charm and their uh, hilariousness has a flip side. And this goes for I'm sure you guys believe me. I'm sure you guys have worked together long enough. You probably go, ah, I love this guy, but I also hate him. And uh, and so those quirks. Uh, when you get to know someone so well, you also see the flip side of the quirks, and you're like, oh, this is so aggravating. Why can't we just always be having fun? Well, because we're all human beings. And yeah. so I, if I wasn't so close to Justin, I would, if I would be able to enjoy him as the wonderful, unique uh, character that he is. And he is. Uh, and, and so, but I also wouldn't, I wouldn't trade all the years of collaborating collaborating with either of those guys because they've been some of the best years and have yielded some of the most wonderful experiences and obviously content uh, that I, I've been involved with and, and that, that the world has seemed to enjoy. So it's been great. Now, uh, for number six, uh, when writing Rick and Morty, has anything ever been cut because it was considered too extreme, like it would not pass the censors? I don't think so. I really I was, don't. I, I, I was when expecting I that, cuts, yeah. Yeah, when I think of cuts, I could think of, you know, like, stuff we just cut for t 
time, but I mean, even this year in the fourth episode, when Rick is, is discovered passed out on the, on the Vindicators um, conference room table and there's diarrhea everywhere. That was something that they, they tried to get the diarrhea eliminated from the <laughs> shot. And we were like, what the fuck? We can't, you gotta see the diarrhea. Yeah, that's, that's... And so that got in at the 11th hour back in. And, you know, I really can't think of anything that was ever, I just, I don't even, I can't even imagine given everything that we've, we've done, what could possibly, I mean, look, there are frontiers I would love if I'm, if I'm, you know, involved in the show in the future to continue to explore. I, I, I think it's amazing to push. There is stuff, let's just put it this way. There is stuff that, that we, you know, I referenced in episode two that it was an episode, maybe I didn't specify, but episode two, the, uh, Rick Mansing the Stone, the Mad Max one. That was originally an episode very different. It was called the it was about a bookalizer that Rick had invented. And those they go into uh different books and the most of the episodes they go into Jer- a book they discover that Jerry had written. And there was a lot of crazy shit that happened in that episode that obviously we ultimately never saw because the whole story changed. But, you know, there was some like in that episode there was um the uh in the end of um of the book uh uh god what's it called grapes of wrath i guess i never read it there's a famous scene where uh there's a a man who's nursing grown man nursing from the breast of a, of a grown woman because there's he's there's no food so he's got to nourish something you know it's a dust bowl and and rick and morty accidentally pull him out of the book grapes of wrath and he now he exists in the the you know our the world of the show present day and when we refer to him as the titty man in the show because <laughs> that was his character and so i think he was both called the titty man by everybody but then also the joke was he was having a b story where he's off with with jerry and he was just really racist because he came from this other era and you know I, i'm curious what we would have ultimately done if that had you know made it to air like how far we would have pushed that um because it's sort of about jerry kind of trying to educate and enlighten this character um, but that was like really hitting on all fronts. He was called the titty man, which we were going to show that scene from grace of wrath. And then also he was racist. And so I, yeah, I'm curious, like some of the stuff that's on the cutting room floor might've been the stuff that if it wasn't cut by us, might've been cut ultimately but, yeah. by the it makes sense. powers yeah. that be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I hope I didn't ruin, uh, if I hope that, you know, we might end up doing that episode, but so, so shit, I hope I didn't ruin it. Well, but you haven't done it yet, so we can't call it a spoiler at this point, but if we see the Titty yeah, Man, we exactly. definitely, we definitely got the exclusive on Titty Man. Um, Absolutely. And, and we're, we really appreciate that. Um, number seven, uh, we've, uh, we've perused your IMDb, so we're going based purely on IMDb here, so apologize if there's any, uh, if this is not correct, but it, apparently you've been an extra in a bunch of horror films. Um, and uh, I was going to say, what horror movie past, and I guess regardless of that uh, being true, what horror movie past, present, or upcoming would you love to be an extra in, and what would your character's name be? Uh, let's see, past, present, or future Yeah, in other words, this, 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 uh, this actually, uh, and I would say this movie doesn't even have to be made yet. It could actually be something that is, uh, is a dream movie that uh, isn't even out there yet. Uh, how about something where, uh, a character from Rick and Morty comes off of the page, so to speak, uh, the, off of the storyboard artist's, uh, canvas, and it, it, it proceeds to kill all of the writers and crew one by one, and I, 
Ryan Ridley, the unsung hero of Rick and Morty, <laughs> saves the day. I like by destroying I, the creature. I'd watch. I, I like that. <laughs> I, I, I like the thought that that might be the only way I would actually ever give a thumbs up to a live action version of uh, an, a current animated series is if you did something absolutely wacky like that. So it could be like the Rick and Morty live action movie, but it really has little to do with Rick and Morty itself and just a random thing like that. So. Exactly. It's more like um, if you're familiar with the film New Nightmare, which was a Wes Craven movie that's oh, yeah. technically oh, a, yes, yeah, the yeah. meta commentary on Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, so so like in that movie, Wes Craven's a character, and Heather Langenkamp's a character, and Robert Englund. So it'd be like, more like that. Like one of our creations comes to life, and now we have to deal with it. Great. All right. Um, the next question is a little, uh, little on the simple side, a little on the nose here for our discussion. What's your favorite Rick and Morty character? Gosh. Uh, let's go with Evil Morty. I like that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a subtle and, one, and, too. And I'm, and I'm not going to say anything more about that. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So, by not saying so much, you're kind of saying something. But uh, we're going to pretend you didn't. I'm not you're saying not, anything more than that. Ryan did not say anything more than that. He's I winking can... like Evil Morty, but that looks more <laughs> like a blink or... <laughs> by the way, someone at Comic-Con this year in the press line uh, asked us about what's going on with Morty Artie, which is a name I never heard apply to that character. It's always been Evil Morty or maybe Eyepatch Morty. And I thought mm. that was a pretty brilliant name to give that character, Morty Artie. Wow. An unofficial yeah. name. Obviously, it's not going to be the name in the show, but that's a pretty brilliant uh, way to call it, label that character. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, 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 I appreciate that. That's good. Um, yeah. All right, so we got number nine here. Uh, if you could take over voicing any recurring character on Rick and Morty, which character would be your dream voiceover? Of a of a character that other people do the voice of? Yes, pre-existing. I it, that you know I that's 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 not an easy question to answer simply because my voice acting would not be as good. I can't do. T- what Justin does. He, his voice has such a magical quality, which is why any character that has the voice of automatically becomes a sensation. I mean, believe it or not, there was a time where he, he, was, he was adamant about not doing the Meeseeks voice. And to look back, it's crazy to think he wouldn't do that. So I would never want to take any of his voices because I think that would ruin the characters. Uh, and beyond that, I don't, I mean, you know, it'd be fun if like I was a squanchy just because I'd be, I'd love to be some, I don't think, you know, Tom Kenny does that voice and does a great job, but I, I could probably do that. I could probably do that without it affecting the love of that character too much. All right, I like that. And then I'd get my own recurring character, because I don't have, I don't know if you guys have done this much research, but I don't have any, like, recurring characters. I have, like, a lot of, you know, little guest characters, mm-hmm. random characters, featured characters, but yeah. never recurring no, I definitely saw that when I was going through your IMDb. The, that actually entertained me a little less than uh, the horror movie extra roles you've had because <laughs> of the names. Like it was, uh, I forget one was like hippie something, like hippie vagrant or something. And <laughs> it was just kind of funny seeing like what extras names are because they never give you like a, a detailed bio, a background, yeah, you're a not first like last Greg, name. The vagrant hippie, you're just the yeah. hippie vagrant. Yeah, uh, I should be clear. By the way, I was never an extra in a horror movie. My friend oh, yeah. produces. Right. Hor- these horror movies, brilliant 
brilliant producer named J.D. Lifshitz. He's 24 years old, and he's produced about 10 movies, and he's going to be the next Harvey Weinstein. I guarantee it. And uh, and he, uh, he he made these movies called Contracted. There's Contracted 1 and Contracted 2. They're on Netflix. They're good. And I've oh, seen those. He cast seen, me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he cast me in those movies. And then the day is like not extra, but like a, a you know a, a having a line or two. And then in both movies, the first one he cut me, so I'm just the camera whips by me in the background, so I become <laughs> an extra by default. And then in the second one, I show up like and I get in the security guard outfit. And then the director just said, "Oh, I'm not even. We're cutting this part. I'm not even going to shoot you." And so then I was labeled in the credits as the man who was cut. Yeah, I, I saw that. I, I literally thought, I'm like, did I miss something? Like, were you literally a guy who got like cut like with a slashed. knife? No, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's well, it's nice of them. No, too. I was, I was, I was fired. That's what it should have said. The man who was fired. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, for our final question, number ten. Um, this weekend, we are actually. This is going to be a couple weeks ago for anyone listening, but present tense. Uh, this weekend, we're going to Vermont Comic Con. Uh, we'll be tabling there for two days, and we plan on announcing your interview there so that anyone who you know is going to be checking out the show as a fresh new fan uh, can hear this. Um, anything you would like to say to fans of Rick and Morty, uh, straight from the horse's mouth, uh, direct from you via us to them? Wait, what was the I, 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 the only time I've spaced out in this interview was the very important thing where you told me what Comic Con you're doing or, or what what is it? <laughs> uh, we're going to Vermont Comic Con. We uh, we table there every year. Vermont uh, Comic Con. Yeah, yes. we uh, we tell people about our show. Anyone who hasn't you know heard of it, we uh, give them the rundown, talk about guests, talk about what we do, and uh, we're obviously going to be mentioning the fact that we've spoken to you and that you'll be on an upcoming episode. Oh. So we're curious uh, if okay. anyone asks about you or the show, is there anything you would like us to uh, pair it out to them? Yeah, so I'd like you to tell the Vermont Comic Con uh, that uh, just to be very, very clear and get this on the record, Rick and Morty has a very conservative agenda. We are all pro-Trump. We are all pro-lower taxes for corporations and billionaires. Good. We are. All, we all think that climate change is an absolute hoax. Good. Good. And uh, we are anti-affirmative action. So that's. From me, Dan, Justin, and the entire cast and crew of Rick and Morty, for them. <laughs> who are all unified politically uh, and all exist in the exact same furthest possible right end of the spectrum, uh, that is Rick and Morty verified, 100% sealed in, locked in. Thank you, Vermont, for watching. <laughs> okay. I, I, really, I know our Vermont crowd will absolutely eat that up. They love it. Um, no, right. that, that's great. Because there is some debate on, on the politics and ideology of Rick, and and you know, I just just I just wanted to settle it. That's that's official. The entire show, you are speaking for the entire show, all the writers and the uh, the showrunners, the producers, everybody involved, and we appreciate that. That's good. It's good when one show has a unified vision like that. Thank you. Right. Um, I, th I think with that, uh, we're we're ready to say uh, thank you once again, uh, Ryan, for you know joining us here. Uh, your time is precious, and it is, is awesome for you to take this time out and talk to us about one of our absolute favorite shows and a lot of our listeners' favorite shows. And uh, just want to say thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. All right. Once again, I'd like to say thank you to Ryan. Um, if you're listening, and you, I, I, and you, wait, I, I would like to say thank you to Ryan too. Ryan, thank you if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, you, I don't know if he listens back to his own interviews. Uh, I know we got an exclusive. That's all I would do. One, if, so. if, honestly, if, if if I were like ever interviewed for a podcast, I would listen to it and I would masturbate. 
He probably is. I mean, he was in his bedroom. It's been established that is easily his favorite room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the, true. The AC issue. I think um, he. I think he said he was. Uh, he was dressed in a in a sexy robe. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this is how I envisioned him. I I'm also know. disturbed by the fact that uh, someone working on probably the number one or two show on TV doesn't have more AC in his apartment. And um, I'm thinking about starting a GoFundMe for him. And, I think he's uh, probably one yeah. of the top shows on Adult Swim. I don't know about like on on TV. We got Big Bang Theory, Walking Dead. Yeah, let's uh, let's, let's let's just keep talking about how not great our guest just was. He's easily <laughs> the number one hundredth show. Period. No, no, one of he, like one of my fa- one of my absolute favorite shows. Absolutely, you're making me think of the flight of the Concord song where it's like. You're the hottest girl in the if, room. In the yeah. room, yeah. or if yeah. you were walking down the street, girl. you'd easily be in the top ten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ryan, you hear that? If you were in a room, you'd easily be in that room. Yeah, yeah, you'd be the most beautiful girl in the room. And uh, I, I do love. I, I appreciate you massacring um, uh, "Fight of the Concords" lyrics, as if you, because I know you're familiar with them, but probably haven't watched them in a while. So I, I actually started rewatching them recently, uh, slowly. Um, I, I forgot yeah. just how funny they were for a moment. They're amazing. Yeah, they're, they're I mean, they, they were one of my favorites before. I was I I liked them before the show. <laughs> Speaking of uh, musical foreigners, uh, do we want to talk about next week? Yeah, I think next week we're going to have uh, Fabio Frithian, who is playing in New York, uh, uh, like a live scoring of some of his, uh, one of his horror movies specifically, but it's a two-night show, and then he's going to do some other cuts from other movies he's done. He is a, a famed Italian composer who has worked uh, on, I think he said about a dozen Fabio, uh, sorry, uh, Lucio Fulci films. Um, but also a ton of other films. He's done so many other films. Uh, he's a composer, an awesome guy, uh, and it was just a, a blast to talk to. Yep, I don't mean that was a great introduction to him for next week, and I don't mean to suck the air out of the room, but I do hope that at least two more times today I get the uh, the, the 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 opening, the, the moment to say musical foreigner again. I just want I just want the I want that opening to appear. Uh oh my god okay yeah you can't you can't see it you can't help me I just want to be out in public and have a reason to say that I would actually like speaking of musical foreigners how about how about how about how about a uh, a Broadway show about the group foreigner done by the group foreigner with no music it's spoken words it's, spoken. Like, the, it's like the vagina <laughs> monologues so it's not a musical so you might not be able to use the musical foreigner I was hoping to set you up for that where you could be like the musical foreigner. You know, but you're saying no. You're nope, it's not it a will musical. Be a spoken, the spoken uh, word Broadway spoken. play foreigner. You just fucked up your own setup. But <laughs> I told you, you're like I, I don't I, want a setup. I'll fucking do it myself. I told you I didn't want anyone to see it. I don't need a setup. I want to be in the grocery store, and I'm gonna be like, oh crap, they're out of the toilet paper that's on sale this week. Excuse me, miss. Is there are there is there more toilet paper on back? Yes, thank you. Uh, speaking of musical foreigners, <laughs> okay. Just, so you just want a uh, non sequitur setup? Yeah, I want no setup, but not a seated setup, but also not a setup. You just want to say musical foreigner, yeah. to somebody. I'm going to. You can literally just walk to somebody on the street, street and scream at them and go Sp- musical foreigner. No, speaking of, yeah, speaking of musical foreigners, and then walk away. Yep, yep. And then uh, hand them a card. Beautiful day today, isn't it? The sun's been out for hours. Speaking of musical foreigners. Yeah. <laughs> and then just start staring at the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when our president did this? <laughs> staring at the sun. He's not blind. I won't go either. <laughs> I, I like... I You're like, blind? I won't go either. I like that Soundgarden song. Staring at the sun. Right? <laughs> staring sun. Let me stare at the sun for a while. 
we're Soundgarden. This is how we sing. Oh, I, yeah, I like that in all of the, your versions of songs, the band has to announce who they are. It's, how, it's every song. Which, which is funny, because actually as a kid, I, I would think that would have been... Uh, uh, good to have because remember like when you used to actually have to listen to the radio you, and sometime a song would come on and we didn't have Shazam obviously or yep. even cell phones yep. so you'd be like who the fuck sings yep. this and you'd hope they announce it but the goddamn DJ wouldn't say who it was I wish that it was like in movies where you go to see like uh I I uh uh, uh Oh, I can't think of the name of a movie <laughs> any movie <laughs> any movie there have been millions <laughs> Star Wars, <laughs> like I mean, come on. That's a bad example because they don't do it in that movie. But like, uh, <laughs> still, <laughs> you want name, us to cut name, name another movie? Um, uh, Moonlight. Yeah, like in Moonlight, where they're like at some point in the movie, they're like, yeah, and look at the moonlight, and then you know, you're in the theater, like they said it, they said the name of the movie. Oh, in the movie. they like, oh, where they say the name of the movie in the yeah, movie. Yeah, I wish songs were like that. Like twenty tracks on an album, you just wait for it through every it song, could, like it, Soundgarden, like. Back oh sun, back oh sun, easy to see in the sound garden. Hey, how about like, uh, how about <laughs> and like, you're like, oh my god, they said the name, they said the name. People like, if you want to grow some things outside, you can grow tomatoes, maybe asparagus, and sound, you can have a sound garden. <laughs> Yeah. Every, every, Rest in uh, peace, Chris Cornell. I wish he could. <laughs> he was still around, so we could hear this fucking amazing album we're writing. Yeah, we were for supposed you. to hang out, and then he ruined it. Yeah, right. I know. He was like, yeah, "I'm gonna commit suicide." Yeah, what a fucking solo artist he became. Oh Jesus. Well, I did see him live once. I saw Soundgarden. I saw him. I, did, I saw him do solo work live, and it wasn't the hanging. Oh, okay. I, I saw Soundgarden and the Rancid and the Ramones and Metallica. I've seen Rancid. Yeah. At uh, I mean, all, all at once. They were playing all at once. All at the same time. It was getting confused again. Yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, it didn't, it didn't sound good. Gardens, Garden Rancid. Won't these gym blossoms grow? Wait, wait. So, uh, your idea Chris of them? Cornell. Your idea of Chris them? Cornell. Your idea of them playing? Miley Cyrus here on stage. Your idea of them playing all together is one guy saying the names of all these bands together. Oh, all of them, plus people they wished were on tour with them. Yeah, Gin Blossoms <laughs> and Miley Soundgarden Cyrus. couldn't wait to tour with the Gin Blossoms. Are you trying to say they haven't? And Miley Cyrus, who maybe wasn't born yet. Yeah. Good enough. Have a great time. <laughs> um, uh, we're yeah, going out on something. Enjoy it. Get no, lost. we're going out, going out on Terry Fold. Yeah, like they're not going to figure that out. <laughs> well, they don't. A lot of these people may not have like know that they th- say extended. it in the song. Like, like, but we we're doing this specifically because it's Rick and Morty related, and it's Terry Fold, and it's right Terry Fold or Terry Folds. Yeah, uh, the extended version. It is. I want to actually like let people. We were just talking about how people don't know the like the name of the band or the song. Yeah. We're saying this is from Rick and Morty. Terry Folds, yeah. extended version. Terry Folds. Get lost. You piece of shit. Get lost, you piece of shit. Justin Roiland. Terry Folds. Get lost. Okay, is that rolling? my foldy flaps grab my terry folds grab my foldy holds grab my terry flaps in my terry folds grab my terry flaps 
gotta touch them. My Terry folds. Grab my Terry folds. Touch my holdy flaps. Take a big flap. Take my foldy flaps. My Terry folds. My foldy holds. And my Terry flaps. Gotta grab my Terry flaps. Grab my Terry flaps. Squeeze my holdy folds. Hold my goldy folds. Grab my foldy tolls. Grab my Terry flap holds. Grab my Terry folds. Hold my foldy folds. Hold my Terry folds. Hey, did you ever wanna hold a Terry fold? I got one right here. Grab my Terry flap. Squeeze it. Grab it, squeeze and tug on my Terry flap. Hey, I wanna take you to the Terry fold dance. Wanna come with me? You can grab my holdy folds. Squeeze them tight. You son of a bitch. Suck my holdy flappy folds. Lick my flappy foldy holds. My Terry flaps in your mouth. Suck my flaps, you piece of shit. Fuck you. You stupid dumb motherfucking bitch. Gonna eat those toldy folds. I got a couple of Terry fold flaps. I got a flappy foldy flap. I'm gonna go take you to food. Gonna eat, then we're going to the Terry fold dance. You and me, we're gonna go to the Terry fold place. It's gonna be a night out. Gonna have a real fancy time. Um, I don't know. Should I do it again? <laughs>